All right. Well, welcome to the uh, the 2019 edition of the Red Reporter podcast. Um, we're we're hoping to actually get this one published in 2019. It's uh, it's about the second or third or fourth or fifth time we've tried to put this together, but um, it's uh, it's funny because we look up and the Reds have lost so many one run games by by razor thin margins. Uh, I feel like we've almost got the Red Reporter podcast back up and posted. Two or three times, but just you know, random things keep happening to keep uh, derailing it and or shutting it down or um, uh, uh, or having it completely unrecorded or whatnot. But anyway, we're back. It's been a long hiatus. Um, the Reds have, uh, have not won any World Series championships since the last time we podcast, so we haven't missed that by any means. Um, like <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, but we're glad to be back. Uh, this is Wick um, hosting this time around, and uh, I'm joined tonight by a, a couple longtime Red reporters. We've got the Arkansas Red fan, um, uh, Mitchell Clark, joining us from not Arkansas and not Chattanooga, but uh, from Virginia this time around. So, Arf, what's going on, man? Hey, not much. Uh, glad to be back on the podcast after uh, a long time. Um, I think the last two I've recorded actually didn't get published, so this is the first <laughs> time I'll be on the air. But uh, but yeah, I'm glad to be on. Yeah, I'm currently O for podcast when it comes to hosting and posting at this point. So I'm hoping uh, hoping this one makes it makes it to air at some point. Uh, also joining us uh, from the great state of Indiana is uh, Grimy Derek Grimes. What's going on, man? Hey, it's uh, good to be back. It is. Uh, I feel like I feel like Arf maybe just jinxed a little bit, saying that this one's actually going to be. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll see what we can do. Hey, you know what would a what would a Reds podcast be without some cynicism that the whole damn thing is going to fail and fall apart? So uh, I mean, I kind of feel like the Red Reporter podcast is in 2019 is the Reds uh, one run losses. I mean, we're just. We get we get podcasts recorded and then it just doesn't work out. We're gonna have some great twelve uh, four victories at some point down the road in this one, but we're we're basically off to the one and eight start where we just can't score. Um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, about that. Um, the Reds are eight, eighteen and twenty four. They're eight and a half games out. We're recording this on uh, the evening of May fourteenth um, after the Reds lost to the uh, Chicago Cubs in the first. Cubs Reds game of the season. Uh, Kyle Hendricks uh, went eight plus innings allowed, only one run, uh, a Joey Votto solo home run, but also picked up three hits and a double and two RBIs himself, which was good enough to beat the Reds. Um, just I, I, this season, obviously, it's it's you know with so many additions and the big trades and the big names they brought in this offseason, you knew this was going to be a better Reds team. Uh, whether or not they they actually win more than the bad Reds teams now appears to be the one big question because uh, despite the fact that the pitching's been excellent, uh, the run differential on the whole is great. Uh, they've lost so many close close games, um, and it seems like every time they need something to go right, they just don't get it. Uh, what are your thoughts so far on how the Reds are in dead last, despite all signs really pointing to them being a much improved team from the dead last teams from the last four years? Uh, Grammy, what do you think? Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a, and this is a, a completely different feeling than we've had in the past, right? Like, uh, it seems like, I, I mean, the whole the whole thing was for the off seasons was we're going to get the pitching right, and I don't know that I was entirely convinced that they had at, when the off season was said and done. 
Um, they had made upgrades for sure, but then you know we're we're sitting here on May fourteenth, and like the pitching staff is really damn good, and the offense that we weren't really concerned about going into the season or even the off season, and then oh wait, they also just picked up Derek Dietrich, Jose Iglesias, and Yasiel Puig, and. We're like, oh yeah, this is gonna hum, and then it didn't. Right? <laughs> so, so it's it's like a it's a strange. So I mean, I guess that goes back to your point. Like, are they gonna win more? Like, this is obviously a good. Well, it seems like obvious that it should be a good Reds team, is at least relatively to what we've seen in the past four years. But are they gonna win anymore? Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I mean, they should. Um, they should, but we only get so many, you know, so much time to find out whether or not they're going to before uh, the way this roster is constructed is just going to require it to get blown up. You know, there's uh, uh, there's so many one year players, there's so many rentals, there's so many guys that um, you know if they're losing again, they're going to have to make a decision on. Um, it's 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 frustrating to where the one and eight start. They shouldn't have been one and eight. It seems like 18 and 24, yeah, they've played a little bit better baseball since then, but it's still the same story. Um, Arf, what do you think, man? It's uh, It's been frustrating as hell to watch, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. Um, you know, the last two or three years, we really weren't concerned about the offense. They were scoring six or seven runs a game. And they were still losing because they were running out, you know, guys who aren't even in baseball anymore. Tim Melville. Uh, yeah, Tim Melville, Tim Adelman, uh, AJ Morris. You know, yeah, like I mean, those are guys you see walking on the street. Those are names you hear walking on the street right now. You know, um, the last time and- I was on a Red Reporter podcast, Tim Adelman led the team in innings pitched. And, Go ahead, Arf. and strikeouts. Wow. So I mean, so to that extent, uh, the Reds have come a long way. I mean, Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray. I mean, Tanner Roark. You know, pitched pretty well tonight and just pitched well all season. And so seeing that has been positive because, yeah, they did what they were going to do in the offseason and even upgraded the lineup. I mean, basically replacing Billy Hamilton with Yasiel Puig is going to upgrade an already good offense. But what we've seen this year hasn't hasn't been that. They've had, I think, 10 games now where they scored one run or less and uh, you know, they've lost like 12 one run games or 13 one run games, something like that this season. And so it's kind of been a lot of the same, just in a completely different way than we expected. Yeah. I I think the stat entering in, and I might be wrong by a game or two on this, but entering play today, the Reds had lost 13 one run games and only one other team in baseball had played that many one run games. Um, And I think not nine losses was the most in one run games in that, in that time span. So um, yeah, you you look up and it's, you know, obviously they made so many on paper upgrades and not even when I say on paper, there's a, uh, a connotation that, you know, in reality they weren't, but you look at the moves they made, those are upgrades. I mean, there's, there's nobody they brought in that was even, I mean, maybe Sonny Gray might've been the only one where you could point to and say, Hey, maybe he really did lose it last year and there's nothing left. Everybody else, the, the numbers match the reputation, you know, Yasiel Puig, Alex Wood, Tanner Rourke, um, even Derek Dietrich and Jose Iglesias for what you would have expected from them were savvy pickups at the price that it cost. Like none of the moves were bad, overpays or a roll of the dice at all um and so far 
it just it just hasn't clicked yet. And uh, the, the one thing that I point to, um, you know, looking back kind of hindsight wise is that, you know, they, they gave a lot of time to Matt Kemp, who was the 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 make weight financial piece in the Homer Daily trade, but never really should have been playing anywhere close to as often as he was. Uh, and then you've got Scott Shebler playing center field and being just nowhere close to the Scott Shebler we've seen at his best in years past. Uh, all while Nick Senzel was, you know, in AAA and recovering from a, an ankle injury he sustained after being sent down to minor league camp. Um, it's It's been frustrating to see that. Scooter Jeanette out, Alex Wood out, and they have so much talent that they, they had access to in the preseason but didn't have that first month. And then the razor-thin margin that they've lost so many games by. It's like, you know, for the front office, you almost have to wonder if they're a little bit snake bit at this point because those are really good moves. And you add those three players uh, uh, to the to the mix, and maybe that's enough to uh, to sway a couple of those one-run games the opposite way. And we're talking in a completely different uh, optimistic level at this point. But, um, yeah, it's been a brutally frustrating start. But uh, the one thing that I think we can uh, be, be proud of, whether or not it's the front office's player acquisitions – or adding Derek Johnson as pitching coach and the way he's been able to work with David Bell managing the pitching staff, uh, the get the pitching mantra from this winter, um, that's been there. They've 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 pitched phenomenally well, um, and it's been Luis Castillo atop the rotation that's been the one uh, real breakout star this season. Um, you know, I think we all pretty much agree that he he's got phenomenal stuff, and we all saw that. Uh, but he was still young, still unpolished, and struggled at times the last couple of years. Not so much this year. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on Luis Castillo so far and what he's shown this year and what that means for the Reds in him the next couple of years down the road? Because he's a guy that looks like he's really coming into his own. Um, RF, what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been awesome to watch. And I think this is kind of what we all expected him to do last season, just how well he pitched as a rookie and, you know, came in kind of had a sophomore slump at the beginning of the season and, you know, really turned it on at the all-star break. And then this season has just been, I mean, has absolutely continued what he finished the season off with and has been even better. Um, you know, he's the way he throws, he's getting people to chase pitches outside of the zone because they look so hittable at the beginning and then just completely drop out of the zone. So he's striking a lot of guys out. He's walking a few guys, but he's not giving up hits. Um, I mean, right now he's got five hits per nine inning. He's given up half a home run per nine innings. Uh, so it's just, I mean, it's been incredible. He's really been one of the best pitchers in baseball this season. Kyle, what do you think? Yeah, <clears throat> he's been fantastic. And I think, I mean, it goes back to what you said. I mean, I think that's what we expected of him well i mean that and that's hard to say I and mean, it's not what we ex we didn't expect him to be cy young award winner level right out of the gate right but right but the fact that he is where he is now like he's tapping into the potential that we could see going back to, you know to his rookie rookie season like he's been fantastic and it's not a surprise i think for anybody that's watched the reds for any longer than you know, a couple of, you know, a season or two, you know, like the talent that they saw is obvious now. Um, and maybe that whole get the pitching mantra was actually get the pitching coach. 
Yeah, I, w- I wanted to, to, to touch on that a little bit because for, you know, obviously Luis Castillo, uh, uh, since he came up two years ago, you know, a towering presence on the mound, a 99 mile an hour fastball, uh, a changeup that drops uh, off the table at 10, sometimes 11 miles an hour slower than his fastball. Um, he's got the stuff that says, hey, if somebody can harness this, he should be that good. But it's not just him. Uh, you know, Sonny Gray struggled mightily pitching as a Yankee, mostly in Yankee Stadium the last two years. Uh, he's looked phenomenal at times this year. Uh, Tyler Malley struggled a lot during his rookie season last year. Uh, he's been, aside from Castillo, arguably the best Reds pitcher they've rolled out. Um, Anthony DiScofani similarly has fought injuries and inconsistency when he's been on the mound the last few seasons, but he has looked phenomenal at times this year as well. Uh, Tanner Rourke is you'll still look at like Tanner Rourke always has, which is a good thing. Um, but even in the bullpen, guys like Robert Stevenson, Amir Garrett seem to have taken uh, kind of that next step in their development that you, you know, you, I say the, the, the Royal you, um, and also the Reds front office probably hoped they would have taken two, three years ago. Um, they're, they're looking like they're doing it now, albeit in a relief role. Um, how much of that do you think is related to Derek Johnson and David Bell and the new guys in charge of how this pitching staff's put together? Um, Arf, what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that plays a pretty big part in it. Um, not that these guys weren't talented, um, and obviously they're really good pitchers, but, you know, this is kind of something that uh, Aaron alluded to last week when we tried this the first time, but he the, said... Uh, the rough draft you know, podcast? Is, yeah. Uh, he... Um, you know, he's got these guys throwing their best pitch and throwing it a lot. I mean, Robert Stevenson's slider has been pretty much unhittable this year. Uh, you mentioned Luis Castillo's changeup uh, and Sonny Gray with his curveball. I mean, that's those are all things that they're the best at, and he's got them throwing it a lot, and it's paid off. And so I think it's kind of been that mindset is do what you're good at and do it a lot. Um, and, you know, the rest of the stuff will work out. Yeah, it's been interesting to see because, you know, Bell's been so lauded as using analytics so much. Um, it, it, the, the way I've always looked at analytics has been odd because there's always two sets of analytics. There's from the pitching perspective and there's from the batting perspective. And, uh, you know, you almost wonder if the other – uh, regime, which certainly used analytics, uh, might have been more focused on what the hitter liked to do and what he wasn't good at and tried to pitch to that. Whereas it seems like Derek Johnson uh, is emphasizing less of that and more the from the pitcher perspective, which is it doesn't really matter if this guy is good at hitting sliders and and, and your slider is your best pitch uh, and he's bad at hitting changeups and you can't throw a changeup, throw him your slider. That's your best pitch and beat him with your best stuff. Um, and we've seen that from Amir Garrett a lot as well. Um, yeah, it's it's almost a, one of those things where uh, the more you see of it, the more you wonder if it's less uh, that he's a better pitching coach and a better coaching staff than what these guys have had in years before or just the right pitching staff for what these guys needed to hear because uh, it certainly looks like they're getting the best out of them. Uh, Grimey, what are your thoughts? I, th- <clears throat> I think it really pays – or I think it really goes back to um... – if there's a guy that you're going to point to that says, yeah, like Derek Johnson has this shit figured out, it's Robert Stevenson, right? Right. He looked completely broken last year. Like the guy had no idea. And the fact that, and I, you know, we're probably, we might be putting a little bit more on Derek Johnson 
for a guy like that figuring it out, especially on May 14th, right? Like, we don't know what Robert Stevenson is going to do for the rest of the year. But if Robert Stevenson does this and it's because Derek Johnson told him to do something a certain way, then that's he, he's a I mean he's a he's a witch, uh, a witch you know what I mean like yeah. he's the pitching witch no like that there's there's he was, there, there's Robert Stevenson was absolutely broken last year and he's doing this now right and I almost wonder you know we're we're, we're focusing on the the pitching coach and the manager here obviously because they're new faces and you just assume that there's new voices and new sayings that these guys are hearing but uh I, I think there's a front office aspect that's got to be involved in this as well um you know, the, the Reds went out and traded for um, Alex Wood and Tanner Rourke and Sonny Gray, guys who have gotten Cy Young Award votes and have been established big league pitchers. Uh, and after all that, they gave Luis Castillo the opening day start. Um, you know, in the bullpen battle, Robert Stevenson had a bum shoulder and didn't pitch a lot in spring training. And when he did, he looked OK, but not great. Uh, he was out of options. He was basically the last guy that made the team. Uh, and it came down to him and Matt Whistler, who was a very similar out of option guy, former top prospect, who outpitched him in spring training. Uh, but the Reds stuck with their guys. They stuck with with Robert Stevenson. They said, "Hey, we're not getting rid of you. We're not putting you on waivers." Uh, they looked at Castillo and said, "Hey, you got knocked around in spring training, but we believe in you. You're our guy. Go be that guy." Uh, so it's cool to see that that kind of the endorsements they gave those two guys. Uh, obviously, you're you know two incredibly talented arms, but just hadn't put it together uh, nearly like they have this year. Uh, but the front office being willing to stick with those guys, uh, I think they deserve some credit with that as well. Um, so uh, moving on from the pitching, which has been fantastic uh, and, and not at all the reason why the Reds are eight and a half games out of first place. Uh, aside from maybe maybe Rizal Iglesias, which has been a little bit of a, uh, I was going to say Rizal Iglesias, but that's a whole other podcast. That, that's a whole other podcast, and that's one of those things for a while. Yeah, that's that's one of those ones where I'm, I almost want him to just go pitch uh, a week and a half of great baseball, so I can forget about his start of the season. But yeah, we'll we'll punt on him until we have a larger sample and prove he's not broken. Fingers crossed. Um, the offense, though, uh, the offense has certainly been um, not just on a, a, on the whole basis because you look at the season stats and they've been bad, uh, but the lack of, of production in games that were very low scoring, that the pitching had given the team every chance to pick up one, two hits, and that's all it was going to take to win. Uh, the offense has been largely lacking, and when you look at not just that it's been lacking, but uh, who the players that have actually hit have been. Um, were it not for, for Derek Dietrich and Jose Iglesias, uh, uh, who were guys brought in on minor league signings uh, or minor league contracts and weren't projected to be consistent players, much less performers, um, despite their pedigrees. Uh, and even Jesse Winker, who was coming off shoulder surgery and missed half of last year. Uh, those are three of the four guys alongside Eugenio Suarez who have hit while the rest of the lineup really hasn't done anything and has looked almost worse than, than nothing at times. Um, what are your thoughts on the way these bats have been slow to get started this year? And uh, uh, what do you think uh, their, their potential is going forward and how quickly they can get hot enough uh, to kind of make a difference this year? Grimey, how about you? Uh, yeah. So this goes back to a little bit of what we were talking about with Sinzel, I think, 
I I struggle to not think about all of the at bats that were given to Matt Kemp. Gross. And and not Nick Senzel from opening day. Because, I mean, Nick Senzel has been fantastic since he's been brought up, right? So, um, which could, which what we, what you were talking about earlier or about the one run losses and just the hit here and there. Like, what if it were Nick Senzel taking those bats instead of Matt Kemp? Or even Scott Shevler, which I think we all expected Scott Shevler to be maybe not a lot better than he was, but better because <laughs> he was terrible. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's a single one of us that looked up at um, the idea of a Winker Senzel Puig outfield uh, in spring training, despite the fact that Scott Shevler was hitting well in spring training. He should have been the fourth outfielder based on pedigree, his age, all, everything. He should have been the fourth outfielder from day one. Um, and he wasn't. And, uh, the, the fact that he became not only not the fourth outfielder, but that Matt Kemp became the third outfielder. Um, it's such a marginal, marginal error for how they're as bad in the standings as they are. And those are two glaring holes in what's basically was the starting lineup to start the season. And Matt Kemp should have been fired into the sun (laughs) from day one. I mean, I mean, really like he was, I get him as like, especially with like, okay, go all the way back to opening day um, with Shebler not being terrible or broken or whatever he is now with Shebler being in the outfield and weaker being in the outfield. Okay. Like Matt Kemp being there for like the right-handed bat. Okay. I get that. If he's not going to do that, he's not going to do anything. And instead they ran him out there every day and he bat third or fourth every game that he was in there. You know? Oh God. There wasn't anything I don't know, that's that's neither here nor there. It's over now. I just I have a hard time thinking about all of those at bats that Sinzel could have been getting instead of Matt Kemp. Um, because that was the one that he was going to beat out. Right. Right. Um now, you know, he was also Senzel was also injured and there was like this theoretical game that you could play that had he actually made the team he wouldn't have gotten injured, but we can't get into that either. Regardless, the team should be hitting better than it is. Um and a lot of that goes back to well, those two, but also the guys that you expect to hit not hitting all of that well. Uh, Joey Votto being the one, which Wick has a really good uh, piece on that at redreporter.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he also blasted a homer tonight. So, like, maybe he starts to come around, but expecting uh, 2017 Joey Votto to just pop up out of nowhere at this point at almost 36 years old is probably kind of, you know, it's asking a lot, but the, the guys that should hit, you know, Suarez, Winker, Puig, Votto, those guys need to start hitting for this team to reach what we all thought it could reach going into the big, to the season. Yeah. And yeah, that's been obviously the big thing is the offense um, and those four guys especially. And now Suarez has really has turned it on as of late. 
Um, but yeah, Puig still, I think he's turning a corner because he's hitting everything really, really hard. Um, and at some point those are going to fall. Uh, you know, Votto has been or has not been great this season. Uh, but, you know, he destroyed that home run and he hit two other line drives that were smoked off the bat that just went right at outfielders. So hopefully that's kind of the start of something new. But yeah, for the most part, the guys that you expect to hit haven't been hitting. And then the guys like Jose Iglesias, Derek Dietrich, those guys have been the ones kind of carrying the load for the offense. Um, and that shows why it's been inconsistent because those aren't your the guys you expect to be your best hitters going into the season. So that's why we see the the games where we score four runs in the second inning and, you know, we end up with four runs at the end of the game. Um, you're, or, you know, we have the 10 games where we scored one run or less. Uh, you know, it's so it's until those three guys turn it on, it's going to – it's kind of going to be like this. And, unfortunately, they needed to turn it on about last week. Right. Um, and that, I was actually going to mention last week because, um, you know, given the fact that Scooter's hurt, given the fact that – um, uh, Alex Wood is hurt. Um, the obvious move, the obvious upgrade, the obvious spark that they chose to turn to uh, at this juncture of the season was to bring Nick Senzel up, uh, to send Shebler down. They DFA'd Matt Kemp. They made those roster moves. Um, it, you almost looked the last week, and obviously the way that they lost the games they did were frustrating because they outscored play, the outscored between the giant, the two Giants series and the A's series – I'm not looking at the numbers right now. I know they outscored the Giants like 37 to 23 and split with them uh, in Great American Ballpark. They outscored them again in San Francisco. Uh, they played good enough on the bulk to where that could have been uh, seven and three or eight and two or whatever. Uh, that they didn't get those wins then uh, almost seems to resonate in a frustrating way for the future of, of what they've got because uh, until Scooter gets healthy, which looks like it's going to be at least another three, four weeks at the earliest, uh, there's not really a, a next spark to turn to. Um, you know, they called up Josh Van Meter, who obviously had a phenomenal start to his AAA season. Uh, but you look at his his overall body of work and who he is, and he just doesn't he doesn't project to be more than what he's doing right now, which is last guy on the bench and occasional single here and there. Um, they, they made their move. They made that promotion. They made their spark, so to speak. Uh, if this team can't start getting momentum going soon, and obviously they've got a tremendous schedule that they're up against in the near future, um, I, I don't know where they turn to kind of get that next move because there's not an obvious call-up. There's not a top prospect pitcher. There's not a, a elite bullpen arm that's getting healthy. There's not another piece out there that they've got currently that projects as, okay, when he, when he gets back, that's going to make the difference. Um, until maybe it might be too late. And that's the one aspect about this particular Reds team that's always been kind of the, the overriding theme, which is they made a lot of moves to bring in a lot of guys this year. Uh, but Iglesias, uh, Scooter, uh, Alex Wood, Tanner Rourke, Yasiel Puig, these are all guys who are going to be free agents at season's end. Um, and if they continue to kind of just tread water in last place, uh, uh, the July trade deadline is inching closer and closer, uh, and they've running out. Of, they're running out of time a little bit to kind of get everything clicking with enough time to either say, "Hey, we're going to keep these players and roll the dice and hope we can make a late uh, move," versus trying to cash in on them and get what you can at the trade deadline as is. And so, uh, I think the next 
really the next uh, four weeks specifically before uh, Alex Wood and Scooter Jeanette project to kind of get back if everything goes right for them this next month. Um, they got a lot riding on this next four weeks of games because if they can't make their move soon, uh, the way this team is built just doesn't allow a whole lot more time uh, for them to really get going. So, um, yeah, do you guys have any thoughts on that, Arf? Uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the uh, the schedule coming up is not favorable. You know, they, they're at least home. Uh, I can't remember when we talked about this, uh, but, you know, they – played like maybe one stretch where they played more than one series at home in a row. Uh, so they're finally at least right. getting a chance to play at home, but the teams that in the competition that they're playing is going to be brutal. You know, they have eight games left before the all-star break against a team that's under 500. Um, you know, I think, and quite a few games against teams that are in first place right now. Uh, so it's, is definitely not going to be easy. Uh, so they, it's, hard that they had that kind of stretch for the first quarter of the season where they're traveling, go to the West coast twice and stuff and weren't able to get things going. And that's when they were also like really cold on offense, but now it's, you know, they have to turn it around pretty much right now and go on a run uh, just so they have an idea of where they're going to be at at the trade deadline. Or, you know, like you said, it's gonna, that deadline's coming closer and, you know, they're probably going to have to make some decisions with these one-year guys when that comes if they uh, don't do something quick. Right. Grimey, what do you think? Yeah, I, I actually think that this stretch is probably the one that determines the season as far as when it comes to what you're talking about with the trade deadline. Not, not, not to, not to, well, not, I did cut you off. So not to not cut you off, but um, yeah, if, if, not that the Cubs are going to sweep the Reds this season, this series, but if they do, they're, they're 10 and a half games back and last place in a division where there's four other teams that are good teams. It's not like they're, they're 10 and a half back of one team. If they get swept this, this, this uh, particular series, they're buried, you know, they, they're buried very, very early with a lot of games against a lot of very good teams left. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it seems hyperbolic to say that this is a huge series this se- this series, uh, but they've set themselves up to where it has to be, or at least a huge homestand. Well, and it's not even – it, well, it is it, – I won't say it's not even that because it is that, but they have the, the two coming against the Cubs, you know, uh, tomorrow and Thursday, uh, the 16th, right? Yeah. But then they have the Dodgers coming in for three. And then they get another day off, and then they play the Brewers for two. Oh, and then they go to Wrigley and play the Cubs for three. And then they get the Pirates for four at home. So, like, this – and then it's the Nationals, which whatever. But that goes into June 1st. So, like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, this stretch, if they – they can't even – well, I, I think they could probably – uh, they can't even tread water. Uh, like they got to make some hay here when it looks like they can't or shouldn't based upon the standings right now. But we know that they're better than that. So if they happen to actually, you know, maybe they beat the Cubs in the next two, right? They've still got the Dodgers and then they got to go to Milwaukee, right? Like it's a tough, it's a tough stretch, but we know that they're not as bad as their record might 
say they are. I mean, they are, they are what the record are, right? But, like, if they can make some hay, if they can actually win some games that maybe they shouldn't, which they haven't done yet, um, that's the season, right? If they just if they just fall down flat in these next like 10 games or whatever, the, the season's over. That's it. Yeah. yeah like start, yeah. Like, yeah. Like start, like start trading guys. Like, because you're at June 1st and at that point you're going to be like 12 games under, like it's, it's over. But the funny thing about it is, and the way that this team has been built, you know, even if they choose not to trade any of these massive numbers of, uh, of pending free agents, we didn't even mention Zach Duke, who's been terrible. Um, but some team will probably want a loogie uh, for at least a flyer. David Hernandez, who's been rock solid for the last two years, also a free agent after after this season. Um, even if they choose to hold on to all those guys, that's like 63 to $65 million coming off the books uh, after this season. So, you know, in theory, the Reds could go out and win 10 out of 12 games in the next 12 games. And that 12-game stretch is certainly taking us from, oh, this team might be sellers with all these pieces to, hey, maybe they might they might go trade for a guy. You know, they, they, they might go trade for an elite bullpen arm uh, because they've built themselves back into the race. But I agree with you with that, you know, we've – We've mentioned the July 31st trade deadline. Uh, we haven't mentioned that they've changed the rules to where there's not an August 31st waiver trade deadline anymore, which means everything's got to happen at July 31st this year, uh, which which puts all of that activity that much further into the season. Uh, they're running out of time to make concrete decisions about this year. Uh, they're not out of it, but it does put a very, very big spotlight on the next two, three, four weeks worth of games because, like you said, if they don't make that move soon, uh, they're out of time and they're going to have to call time and somebody's going to give them an offer on one guy. And if you trade you trade Yasiel Puig, then you're probably trading other guys too. And so that's a, a very big tipping point that I think they're building towards in the next three, four weeks are really going to help determine uh, what they do at that specific juncture. So, um, It's kind of weird, though, to think about like if they would have – Went so like that five and five stretch that we were talking about with the Giants and the Oakland Athletics. Um, then like we feel like they should have went like won a lot of those. Okay, what if they go five and five against the Cubs and the Dodgers and the Brewers? Right, we'd be like, well, that's pretty solid, (laughs) you know, like that's okay, but it's not at this point. This, I mean, it, it is, but it's not at this point in the season because of how far back they already are. Like you go five and five against those teams. They're very good, but you haven't done anything in the standings. And then you look up and it's June 1st. And it's time. Yeah. Yeah. And you're still nine games back. Yeah. Yeah. Lord, what do you think, man? Yeah, no, that, I mean, I kind of agree kind of with everything you guys have said, like it, it is weird to think about if they, you know, you're frustrated with going five and five against Oakland and San Francisco. And then you would typically be thrilled with, you know, in that stretch of, I think it's 15 games until they play the nationals on May 31st. But yeah, if you go eight and seven in those games, then yeah, you're happy with it, but you're still five, six games, five, under, 600, five yeah. games under, yeah. under 500. And yeah, you really haven't made up any or much ground in the standings. Um, and it's, a few weeks later than that 10 game stretch against San Francisco and Oakland. So uh, yeah, the time really to turn it around is like starting tomorrow and they, you know, they need to go on a pretty big run 
uh, with, you know, some of the toughest teams in the National League, um, you know, starting with the Cubs, who after tonight have won like 22 of the last 28 or something outrageous like that. So, yeah, uh, it's going to be hard, hard to stop that train. And then you got get the Dodgers after that, who are j- almost just as good. So the Cubs are the worst. We can agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Perennially so, always. Yes. Yeah, so I'm actually going to the game tomorrow. Hey, look at this guy. The, yeah. Yeah, the the yeah, I have a I have a uh red reporter uh, I, I witness report. Yes, yes. Nice. Um which, you know, may or may not be I don't know. It's you it's you Darvis versus um Sonny Gray. So this really could go in either direction. Um but I'm I'm feeling good about it. But I'm just saying, I just wanted to put this on record in recording that if for whatever reason that on May 15th the Reds turn this around and win a bunch of games in a row, I'm responsible for it. So what you're saying is the, uh, uh, the, the voodoo doll I've been stabbing next to me this entire podcast while we've been talking about turning the corner uh, uh, might have some say in how this all shakes out, right? That's yeah. That's what. I'm <laughs> um, but at this point, as long as something good happens to the Reds, I'm willing to give you credit. Is if they go on a ten-game winning streak, then yeah, it is all grimy. Yeah, and that's fine because Aaron would never do that. No, heck no. no I Absolutely. Ar- I appreciate Arf being on this. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron would have spent this entire time telling me how I'm wrong. <laughs> always, always. Yeah. Um. Well, good stuff, guys. Uh, you know, obviously, there's there's a lot more we can dig into, and that's what uh, the next and the next and the next episodes of the Red Reporter podcast reboot are going to be about. Assuming we can actually figure out how to publish this damn thing and uh, move on to the the future episodes. So, um, you guys, have any last thoughts on uh, on where we are at this juncture and uh, what to what to hope for going forward? Nope. Well, I just realized that I told everyone that I was going to the game tomorrow. So then, if that like kicks off a ten game losing streak, it's on your ass, man. <laughs> it's on my ass. So that's. I will definitely blame you for it. Yes, so. that's, that's my last thought. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Also, now now that I know that we should have had you on a podcast from Great American Ballpark, uh, uh, tuning in live. But uh, yeah, live podcast. Yeah, we'll we'll talk to Rob Butcher about that and see if he can't hook us up later on down the road. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So sure that'll happen. Yeah. So uh, with that in mind, uh, thank you guys. Thank you, Grammy. Thank you, Arf. Uh, Red Reporter Podcast, episode 1.23456, reboot. Uh, officially in the books recording-wise, let's just see if we can get it put on. So um, thanks for listening. You guys can follow us at redreporter.com. On Twitter, at Red Reporter, uh, you can meet up with us on Facebook, at Red Reporter Fans. We're not going to talk to you on Facebook, but you can read our stuff there. Um, God, I hate Facebook. Um, anyway, for that, uh, this is Wick signing off. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys. See you guys.